You know, it's all good. Just turn somewhere. i got two different Bibles here. We're going to do both messages. Just open it up and start reading. It'll be great for you. All right. It really will. Uh, we might end up, <laughs> maybe, um, in... Uh, we might let's go let's let's go to John chapter three for a minute. All right, John chapter three. We might end up in First Corinthians six. Uh, we'll see how far, how far we get. All right, and uh, I, I have had a message ready, and I've just been uneasy about it today, and and there may be a different reason for that or a different direction we're going to go. I had an opportunity this week to uh, speak at Miss Florence's funeral, and uh, what a privilege it was. And we appreciate so much uh, her ministry here at Kefa Heights, and we miss her greatly. And I would ask for you to be in prayer for her family during this time. I'll be uh, leaving. Uh, Jonathan and I will be leaving right after the uh, right after this service to head down to Florida. And uh, because of that, we will not have our one o'clock afternoon service uh, as normal. Uh, they will have lunch still downstairs, so you can have your time of fellowship and opportunity to do that. And um, but just uh, for trying to get all the, the things to work out for uh, me to be down uh, for the graveside service on tomorrow. Uh, it just was uh, important that we have to make this adjustment to our schedule. And uh, bear with us. I hate, to, I hate to ever cancel a service for any reason, uh, but this is kind of an exceptional thing and something that uh, couldn't really, uh, there was not a good solution uh, to go the other direction. So um, I appreciate your faithfulness, and we'll be back on our regular schedule next Sunday. But I uh, appreciate you all being here. Uh, let's go to Jane, uh, John chapter 3 for a moment. John chapter number 3. And uh, I shared with some folks uh, on Thursday evening. Uh, it's important for us to understand, and, and it's important for the world to know, that this book that we call the Bible is not just a bunch of thoughts that man threw together. Uh, Peter uh, was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, wrote that uh, no uh, prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, these men didn't write what their thoughts were. They only wrote what the Holy Spirit gave them to write. And every word in this book that we hold in our hands was given to us by God. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Paul told Timothy that uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. It's vital for us to understand and to know that there is only one source of absolute truth in, in the world today, and that is the Word of God. Uh, there's a lot of um, teaching that's going on today that there is no absolute truth. And uh, if you ask them that or you say, well, are you absolutely sure of that? And uh, they, if they're true to what they claim, they would have to say, well, no, I'm not absolutely sure of that, uh, because they say there is no form of absolute truth. But the truth of the matter is this, that the Bible is a, a, a quick and a powerful uh, living and a powerful, it's a, it's a very, um, uh, very strong book, because it is not just something that contains the thoughts of God, but are the actual words of God that He has written to you and I. When I went into college a number of years ago, I took my Bible, and in the very beginning, uh, uh, right before Genesis 1-1, I wrote, Dear Greg, and then I went all the way to the end of Revelation, and I put, Your loving Heavenly Father. And I kept that in mind over these years, that this book was given to me by a God who loved me with all of His heart. 
And he wanted me to know two things. I told the folks this Thursday night. There were two, two main basic reasons why God gave us His Word. He gave us His Word, first of all, so that we could know how to go to heaven when we die. If we didn't have God's Word, it would be very difficult for us to know how to go to heaven. And then the second thing that He gave it to us for was to show us how we're to live until we get there. And I'm thankful that God gave us His Word, aren't you? What a wonderful and a blessed book it is. And every word in it is true. Every verse in it is true. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is inspired. It is preserved for you and I. And I'm thankful that I get the privilege in my lifetime to hold in, in my hands the actual words of God Himself. What an amazing book this is. In John chapter number 3, in verse number 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Father, we pray once again that You would bless the message this morning. And Lord, we're going a different direction, a direction I believe You would have us to go this morning. I pray that You would take it and use it. And Lord, direct our steps, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're living in a world where there's a lot of hatred for God. There's a lot of disdain for God. And if it's not hatred and disdain, there's a lot of, a lot of ignoring God and just uh, not believing, uh, apathy, uh, a lot of agnostics, people who claim to be atheists. And the truth is, there's a lot of cynicism in this world. There are a lot of people who who frown on God because they feel like that God is some, some uh, great condemning, uh, overbearing type of a, uh, of, a, of a deity up there in heaven that just frowns on man and hates man and wants to condemn man and takes joy in the fact that He sends people to hell. Can I tell you this, that God created man because He wanted them to love Him and because He wanted to love them. And when man sinned in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, it was man's choice to do so, not God's. And because man sinned in the Garden, Romans chapter 5 tells us that wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. In fact, Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you ask most people today, in fact, I've done this hundreds of times, probably in this, at this point thousands of times, have asked people, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Are you 100% sure? Do you know that you would go to heaven? And you know what my answer is almost every single time? You know what it is? Well, I... Oh, you've heard it too, haven't you? I hope so. And usually when they say that, I'll say, well, how do you think a person gets to heaven? If you had children, and they came to you one day and said, Dad, Mom, how do I go to heaven? What would your answer be? And you know what most people tell me? 
Well, you got to live a good life. You got to you got to try to do good, and you got to try to to just be a good person. Can I tell you this? The Bible tells us this: not by works of righteousness that I have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, if you'll take a moment to turn over there with me and look, and, and I know I've got a lot of Christian friends that are here this this morning, and, and, and you've heard this before, and you've trusted Christ already as your Savior. And, and can I tell you this? Every time I hear the gospel message, I don't know about you, but it thrills my heart. I, I, I'll tell you, I, I love that song that we sing sometimes. I love to tell the story of unseen things above. And one of the verses says this, What seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. Because there's a God in heaven that could have just ignored man when he sinned. He could have just said, They made their choice. They decided to turn from me. They decided to rebel from me. And they deserve hell. Let them go there. God could have done that. But He didn't. God loved me. And God loved you. And He saw where man was headed. Not because of God's choice, but because of man's choice. And God said, I don't want them to perish. I don't want them to go to hell. In fact, John chapter 3 and verse number 17 says that He came in this world. He didn't come in this world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The good news of the gospel message is not that God came to destroy. The Bible says that the thief cometh to destroy and to kill. Satan is the one that's out to devour you and to destroy you. God came so that you could have life and that you could have life more abundantly. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Those that were already down the road of condemnation and they didn't even know it. Christ came and died in their place for them so they wouldn't have to. That's how much God loved me. And that's how much God loved you. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved. In verse number 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Look with me in John chapter number 14. I used this passage the other night at the funeral service. I love it. John chapter number 14. Jesus is speaking to His disciples in verse number 1. And He starts with this. Let not your heart be troubled. Isn't that a wonderful statement from the Lord? Let not your heart be troubled. When we realize that we are sinners when we realize that there is no amount of good works or good deeds or treating people well that will get me into heaven. No amount of them. In fact, the rich young ruler came to Christ one day and said, what good thing must I do to to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, go and keep all of the commandments. And the young man said, this have I done from a youth. And Jesus said, then go and sell all that thou hast and give to the poor. And you know what Jesus was telling him by that? That even if you kept every commandment for your entire life, it would not be enough. 
So he told the old young man, he said, Go and sell all that thou hast and give to the poor. The Bible says the young man went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus was trying to show this man who was so confident in his wealth, so confident in his good deeds, that he could make it into heaven. And Jesus was saying, your good deeds aren't going to get you there. Your money is not going to get you there. In fact, as his disciples stood there puzzled and questioning him, he made this statement, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. He's speaking here of a fellow who's depending upon his wealth to get him into heaven. And he's not talking about how difficult it is. He's talking about how impossible it is. Because his disciples asked him, they said, how then can a man get this thing of eternal life? How can he be saved? And Jesus said this, with men it is impossible. That's what Jesus said. With men it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. In John chapter 14, if you're there, read with me, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way than through the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he finishes his sentence by saying this, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's a lot of well-known so-called preachers around the world today. Some of them have written books that have sold by the millions. They've been on televisions. They've been interviewed. I've watched as Joel Osteen was asked. I've watched as... Some of these other folks that write books and preach in pulpits have been asked on national media, is Jesus Christ the only way to heaven? And they began to stammer and stutter. They began to try to explain, well, there, God just looks at the heart. Who am I to judge? Can I tell you this? The reason they're doing that is because they don't want to isolate people from buying their books. Because the Bible is very clear. I am the way, Jesus said. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is the only way. By putting our faith and our trust in Him. What He did for us on Calvary. He that believeth not, the Bible says, is condemned already 
And I'm here to share good news with you this morning. But in order to hear the good news, you've got to be aware of the bad news. You've got to know what's in store for us. The Bible says, He that believeth not is condemned already. That means if I have not yet put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm already condemned. I didn't have to do anything to go to hell because I was born a sinner. And every single one of us have sinned. By the way, let me just say this. You don't become a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. If we have a problem with our plumbing at the house, we look in the phone book and we try to find a plumber because he specializes in that. That's what he's good at. If I have an electrical problem at my house, I go and I look for an electrician. The reason I do that is because that's what he's good at. That's what he specializes in. The Bible tells you and I that we're sinners. That's what we're good at. That's what we specialize in. He that believeth not is condemned already, and that's the bad news. That's what we have to be aware of. We have to realize that if left alone, if all we do is breathe in the good air and blow out the bad all the days of our life, and we do nothing about our soul's eternity, we'll go to hell. That's what the Bible teaches us. If all I do is live my life, no matter how good it is, and no matter how bad it is, if all I ever do is come into this world, live my life, and die, and have done nothing to go to heaven, I'm already headed to hell. He that believeth not is condemned already, the Bible says, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. But I'm thankful that Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I'll tell you this, and I've told, I told our young people this week at VBS, in order to go to heaven, you know what God's standard is? You know what His requirement is? God requires perfection. God requires no sin. He, he can't allow sin into heaven. God is an absolute holy God. He cannot tolerate sin. In fact, when, when Lucifer was in heaven and he rebelled against God, one sin, what did God do? Cast him out of heaven, didn't he? It takes absolute perfection to go to heaven. Anybody here perfect today? Is there anybody that can become perfect? No. No, because we've already sinned. It's impossible. And the sad fact of the matter is we've got to come to a realization that I can do nothing of my own to get to heaven. I can do nothing. But Jesus Christ came to this earth 2,000 years ago. He lived a perfect, a sinless life, the only one who ever did. And He died on a cross 
And the Bible says that He took upon Him the iniquity of us all. He took your sin, and He took my sin, and He put it on Himself. And then He laid on a cross and paid the price for us. That's how much He loves you. He didn't come to this world to condemn you. He came to save you. He didn't come to this world to make your life miserable. He came to this world to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. And our world, by the thousands, are rejecting Christ and hating Christ because Satan has fed them a lie that God is here to condemn them. No, God is here to save you. He loved you that much. Satan wants you to believe that lie. He wants you to go through your whole life believing that so that when you die, you can spend an eternity in hell. Satan would love nothing better than that. I remember a number of years ago, I was reading an article in the Reader's Digest of a group of scientists down in South America that were studying a volcano. They had some instruments over inside the crater of the volcano and on one certain day, they were getting some unusual readings, and they said, we need to probably come down off of this uh, volcano. It's getting unstable. They sent two of their scientists over the rim to collect their instrumentation. And while they were inside, the volcano erupted. The two men were killed immediately. And I remember reading in the article, the author made this statement. Mercifully, It was over in an instant. He was speaking of the two that had died immediately. He said, mercifully, it was over in an instant. I could not help but think, and I began to shed tears. As I read that article, and the question came to mind, but was it? In that that, that instantaneous flash of unbelievable heat, coming up from that volcano and catching them unaware. Was it just a moment of transitioning from that moment of torment into the torments of hell for eternity? Was it over in an instant? If they had trusted Christ as their Savior and put their faith in Him to save them, then yes, it was just a moment. But according to everything I read in that article, it did not seem like these two would have been been saved and trusted Christ as their Savior. Every man, every man, and every woman must come to terms with this truth and must make that decision on their own. I'm either going to trust Christ and what He did for me on Calvary, or I'm going to trust my good deeds. Every one of us has to make that choice. You've got to make that choice. I can't make it for you. If I could, I would choose for Christ to save every single one of us. But He puts that upon you. He gives you a free will. He doesn't force you to love Him. He doesn't force you to seek for His forgiveness. But when we put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ takes His record of perfectness. And the Bible says He imputes that to me. And He imputes it to you.
That word impute is an interesting word. It just means literally to place it on the account of. So that when God looks at me, He does not see my sin. He sees the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, because Christ was perfect, God can allow me into heaven. And God can allow you into heaven. But He doesn't force you. He doesn't force you. In John chapter 3, we'll go back to our first verse that we read, verse number 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, notice this, believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is it. Faith alone. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. I've thought long about many of these things. I, I think sometimes we miss and don't understand. In the day we live, we don't understand what faith is. We really have a small view of it. We preached on this a few weeks ago. I think we get... I think we get a confidence and an understanding and a comprehension in our minds mixed up sometimes with faith. And by that, I simply mean this. And I'll share an illustration I've used a number of times. But a few years back, in fact, I was sharing this story a couple months ago with someone. And the fellow whose house I was at was there. And he looked at me and he started laughing. He said, I remember that. I remember when you did that. I was over at a friend's house a few years ago for a barbecue, and uh, we went to the backyard, and he was grilling at the grill, and I, uh, they had these plastic lawn chairs out. And uh, I sat down, and, and we were talking for a few minutes. Now, I'm, I'm a big guy. I, I weigh a lot. And I sat down in that chair, and I, I was talking probably about two or three minutes, and all of a sudden I heard a loud crack. And the chair broke, and down I went to the ground. I mean... I'm, I'm, I'm down there, I'm, I'm embarrassed, I'm kind of checking to see if I'm hurt. And I, I thought, man, that was embarrassing. A few months ago, my son and I went to a restaurant that has an outdoor patio that you can eat at. And they asked us if we wanted to eat out in the patio. I said, boy, it's a nice day. We, yeah, that's nice. It was turning spring, and I thought, we'll go sit outside. We got out there, and they had those plastic chairs out there. And I said, ma'am, you're going to have to bring me another chair. You know why? Because I didn't trust those chairs anymore. I, I don't. I, I, in fact, when I come into a room now and look at chairs, ever since that time, I, I look to see, is that a solid chair? The, these wooden chairs sometimes, that like they have at Cracker Barrel and places like that, I get nervous even on those because they, they get to where they can wiggle some and move some, and I'm afraid they're going to topple over, they're going to fall with me. And so I, I worry about that. So I look at chairs. And I can, I can look, in fact, we have great chairs here. They're steel, they're welded. Most of you came in today, and whether you wanted to or not, you put your faith in that chair. Most of you didn't even think about it. You walked in, you might have been talking, and you sat down and didn't even give a second thought to it. You just trusted that that chair was going to catch you and you weren't going to go to the floor. And all of us know what it is when we go to sit down to get to that place where our balance is so far moved toward the chair 
that even if we wanted to, we could not stop ourselves. That chair would either have to catch us or we would go to the floor. Now, there's a lot of people that will come in and they'll look at a chair and they may say, boy, that's a sturdy chair. Ronnie's sitting down here in a chair that I often point to. I might look at that chair and say, boy, I believe that chair will hold me. Oh, i got great, great belief in that chair. I, I would call it faith. I've got faith in that chair that it will hold me. And I may call it faith, but the truth of the matter is, have I really put my faith in that chair yet? No. I believe it can hold me. But you know the Bible tells us that the devils believe, yet they're not saved. They know who Christ is. They know He's able to save men's souls, but they're not saved. A lot of people believe that Christ exists. But they say, you know, if I live good, I'll get to go to heaven and spend eternity with Him. If I, if I treat my neighbor well, if I'm honest, if I don't tell too many lies, if I give a good day's work at work and I come home and I'm not kind to my wife and I raise my children well, and if I just do it, as long as my scale is weighing heavier on the good side than on the bad side, then I'll make it to heaven. No, no. If that's what we believe, we're sadly mistaken. The Bible's very clear. John chapter 3 and verse number 16 says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You've got to come to a place where you have absolute faith that Jesus Christ is the only way that I can make it to heaven. That his payment for my sin on Calvary by his death, his burial, and three days later rising again from the grave, that that paid in full for my sin. And if I'll put my trust in Him to save me, He will. If I get to the place where I put absolute dependence on Him and Him alone and nothing else, I can stand by a chair all day. I can even grab a hold of that chair. I could, I could come to church. I can hear the Bible preached. I can carry my Bible. I can dress nice. I can sing the songs. I can go to a baptistry and get dunked in the baptistry. And I could still be lost if I have not trusted what the Lord Jesus Christ did for me on Calvary as the only way that I can be saved. There's a lot of people who believe. In fact, Jesus was speaking, and Matthew recorded it, and He said there will be many in that day, speaking of those that stand before God. There will be many in that day that will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name, and in Thy name cast out devils? And Jesus will say to them, or God will say to them, Depart from Me, I never knew You. Why? Because while they had a head knowledge of who Jesus was, they never put their faith in Him. They never got to the point where they said, I'm going to trust what Jesus did for me on Calvary as the only way to take me to heaven. Folks, it's not a hard thing to do. And yet so many reject it. 
So many go through this life, and, and I've heard many say this. I've shared this so many times with so many people over the years, and, and I don't know how many times, and <laughs> how many times I've heard them say, Not today. Not today. One of these days, one of these days, I will. But folks, we don't have the guarantee of another breath. We don't have the guarantee of another day. Why take the chance? Why wait? Why wait? I sat in the pew of a church for 13 years. Lost. I had not trusted Christ as my Savior. I am so scared sometimes just to think back to that and thought, Lord, what would have happened if somewhere in those 13 years I had died? And it happens. In fact, looking back on my childhood, it's a wonder sometimes I didn't die. I think, Lord, thank You. Thank You for sparing my life long enough for me to put my faith in You for my salvation. And I'll tell you what, ever since November the 15th, 1983, I have had absolute peace. And if somebody asks me, Greg, do you know if you're going to heaven when you die? Yes, I absolutely know it. Well, how do you know? Are you perfect? No. Do you live a good life? Not as good as I like. Well, how do you know you're going to heaven? Because I'm trusting what Jesus did for me. And He did live perfect. In fact, the book of Hebrews tells me that He is my surety. He's the one that that guarantees it. He's the one that makes absolute certain of it. But I've got to put my faith in Him to do it. The question is today, have you come to a place in your life not where you believe that Jesus exists, not just that you believe that He's the Son of God, but that you have put your trust in what He has done for you as your only hope of salvation? Have you put that faith in Him? Have you gotten to the place where you cast Every, every ounce of what you're depending on to go to heaven on Him. To where if He is not who He says He is, or if He does not do what He says He will do, then I'm going to be lost because He's the only thing I'm hoping for. He's the only one I'm trusting in. Have you done that? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you put your dependence of eternal life and heaven upon Him and Him alone? Or are you trusting your works, your good deeds, your church attendance? Are you saying, well, I'm not trusting those things, Pastor, and I see where you're saying this, and I, I see the Bible says that, but, you know, I've, I've still got a lot of life ahead of me, and I'll just do it later. You know, the greatest lie Satan tells people is, okay if you do it, you just don't have to do it today. Rarely does Satan, in fact, I don't know any time that Satan's ever put in the heart of man, don't ever do that. I think oftentimes he just says, 
you got plenty of time. You can do it today. Last week, uh, actually the week before last, I'm sorry, on, uh, I think it was Wednesday, a week ago Wednesday, went up to the hospital, no, I'm sorry, it was a week ago Tuesday, I went to the hospital to see Miss Florence, walked in her, her room and she's sitting up on the edge of her bed and I went in and visited with her for a little while and she said, I'm going home, they're sending me home. I sat down in her hospital room for a little while. We talked for a while. and She said, Bryce is coming to pick me up. I said, well, I'll wait. I'll wait here with you then and until Bryce comes and help you get out. And Sitting there on the bed, she said, Pastor, they've told me I'm terminal. And she said, they've given me six to nine months. And she said, uh, on the way home, would you follow us? She said, I want to stop off at the funeral home and go ahead and make my arrangements. And I sat there in that room and I said, Miss Florence, we've got plenty of time for that. So why don't we get you home and get you rested? We took her home. Just a morning or so later, I get a phone call about 7 o'clock in the morning and I was in the other room, my phone was there, and I couldn't get to it in time. And by the time I got there, he had hung up, but I looked down and I saw it was Bryce. And I thought, well, maybe he had to take her back to the hospital. And I picked up the phone and I called him back, and he was sobbing on the other end. He said, Pastor Greg, she's gone. She passed. I'll never forget, as I thought of that, I thought, she knew. She knew. God let her know that, I believe, that she didn't have much time left. And here I am sitting in her hospital room saying, Miss Florence, we've got plenty of time for that. Little knowing that we did not. Folks, I don't care how much time you think you may have left, we don't have the guarantee of another day. Don't let Satan tell you you can do it later. Don't let Satan tell you. Go ahead and live your life. And when you get to the end of it, you can deal with these things. Thomas. Thomas told the Lord. He said, We know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you're saved today, oh, I love to hear that story over again, don't you? And if you're here today and you say, boy, I'm not sure I've ever done that, can I encourage you to do it today? Put your faith in Him today. Trust Him today. The greatest choice the most momentous decision you have to make in all of this life is whether you will trust Him or remain in your condemnation. God doesn't force anybody.
But he says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. All you got to do is put your faith in Him. Trust Him for your salvation. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed? Father, I pray that you'll bless the invitation. Lord, I don't know if there's...